Hello, this is Mark Kambert, Chief Editor of the European Respiratory Journal. In the September issue of the journal, we are very proud to publish an original article based on the analysis of patients living with severe refractory asthma. This article by Juliet Foster and colleagues from Australia is published with an editorial by Sally Wenzel from the University of Pittsburgh with two patients. Today I'm delighted to discuss this article entitled I've lost every facet of my life is a hidden burden of severe asthma with its senior author, Professor Helen Reddell from the Woolcock Institute of Medical Research at the University of Sydney. Hello, Helen. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, Mark. I'm very pleased to have the opportunity to discuss this qualitative research. The article reports the results of interviews conducted by Juliet Foster, the research psychologist with whom I collaborate, and the article includes a synthesis of the themes that emerge from the patient's stories. Well, to, to start with, what prompted this research? This research was, was partly prompted by my clinical experience with patients with severe asthma, but also by working with the Asthma Foundation, I was aware that the public messaging that's relevant to most people with asthma, in other words, uh, you know, take your medications, get your asthma checked, make sure that you're using your inhaler correctly, um, would be inappropriate for people who had severe asthma who were already doing these things um, and still had uh, frequent symptoms and frequent exacerbations. So when people with severe asthma hear this sort of public messaging, um, they can be very hurt by comments from friends or acquaintances that, you know, they should be just taking their inhaler correctly or, uh, you know, Olympic athletes can do uh, anything that they want uh, with asthma, so why can't you? Uh, it's rather like the experience of people who are non-smokers and who get lung cancer. Uh, they get a lot of criticism from uh, society because most lung cancer is related to smoking. So we wanted to be able to advise our Asthma Foundation how they could meet the needs of both populations, but also to understand in a way that clinicians often don't, the, the really personal experience of living with severe asthma. Well, thanks. That's very clear. So what were the most important themes that emerged from your interviews about the experience of living with severe refractory asthma? Some of these were fairly obvious in terms of the personal um, experience of their body letting them down. Um, some of it was practical in terms of housework, um, particularly um, people with children uh, not having the spontaneity to run around after their children. Um, social contacts were markedly affected, uh, relationships, so a lot of family difficulties due to it. And then career choice, uh, so people who were not eligible for particular careers or the disruption to their career due to frequent absences. So that was one aspect, just the physical burden of it. But a very strong message came through about the burden of treatment, and this was largely related to the burden of oral corticosteroid treatment with the dilemma of, of whether you take it or don't um, and the physical and um, psychological side effects of oral corticosteroids. The third aspect was um, in relation to striving to adapt to 
um, living with severe asthma. So there were both uh, good and poor methods of adjusting. Uh, some patients um, acquiring very good self-management skills and learning how to negotiate the healthcare system and others with some more negative coping strategies where you could see that they were uh, perhaps putting themselves at risk because of their decisions um, about uh, whether to present for medical care, for example. Uh, and then the um, the most devastating I think, theme, I think, was the sensation that people were alone with this disease. So it was relatively invisible, so not as if you had a stroke and had some physical, visible deformity, um, but being misunderstood, uh, people confusing severe asthma with fixable, milder asthma, um, the emotional distress of um, the difficulties that they faced on a day-to-day -day basis, public misconceptions, and then the stigma relating to uh, having symptoms and not being able to do particular things. And then, of course, with exacerbations, um, a very prominent feature of severe asthma, uh, the panic and fear that patients go through with this, uh, you know, deciding whether they'll call their partner because they may not see them again, um, or, uh, you know, the strategies that they would use to try to work through an exacerbation and um, the impact of exacerbations on families. So, for example, one patient commented that her son had seen her having a severe asthma exacerbation and that this had had an impact on him in terms of anxiety on an ongoing basis. So it really was a very comprehensive uh, sort of, um, awareness that this is a very burdensome disease, both on a personal level and a family level, social level, as well as the physical problems. So, Helen, what surprised you most about the findings? The most surprising feature for me was the magnitude of the, of the psychological side effects of oral corticosteroid. So we have an occasional patient reporting spontaneously to us that they have depression or um, irritability or anger when they are on oral corticosteroids, but this really dominated the um, the interviews and the comments about the extent to which patients will avoid going on oral corticosteroids, um, the impact just on their interactions with families, with families knowing that, you know, mummy's on those tablets again. Um, so I found that um, the magnitude of that effect a very important lesson in terms of making sure that patients are advised in advance about the potential side effects of oral corticosteroids, including these mood effects, and also making sure that we explore whether that is actually interfering with the management of exacerbations. For example, uh, there's some good evidence quantitatively that patients may delay going to hospital because they're afraid of being given oral corticosteroids. You mentioned that severe asthma had an impact on families. Can you tell me more about this? Yes, yeah, so when we talk about the burden of disease, we're often thinking just of the, of the patient themselves, and that's often what is assessed in health economic assessments. But it was clear that, uh, that severe asthma had an impact on the entire family. So I've already mentioned uh, the effect on a child who'd seen his his mother having a severe flare-up, 
Uh, but there were also implications, for example, on where people could go on vacation um, and very substantial financial impacts of severe asthma. This was partly the cost of medications, which even in countries with subsidised medical care can be quite substantial. But it was also the long-term impact of career disruption and a lack of flexibility that would limit career choices. So severe asthma affects the whole family uh, and not just the patient themselves. Thanks. So this is, uh, I think, very important to, to emphasize. So how should the findings change our approach to patients with severe asthma? In this research, we asked the patients uh, for their suggestions about support needs and some of the things that they suggested were quite helpful. For example, um, messages for other people with severe asthma to prompt them to see their doctor if, um, if they have symptoms and making sure that they have a plan that they can carry with them in case they're seen at different uh, hospitals. Uh, there were some messages for first responders uh, to make them aware that people with severe asthma can have very rapid deterioration, but also to be aware that people with severe asthma are very familiar with the health system and uh, their voice needs to be heard in terms of their management. If the patient knows that they're getting sick very quickly, then that needs to be um, believed. And then uh, messages for the general public. So I started by talking about the public messaging that we use for asthma in general and the, the hurtful effect that that can have on people with severe refractory asthma for whom messages like, uh, you know, take your inhaler correctly may not be at all appropriate. So I think we need to have a concept that there are different types of asthma so that uh, it's not all easily fixable um, and that severe asthma has long-term consequences. Um, I think the final comment I would make about these, these messages is within the respiratory community we have a lot of emphasis now on personalised treatment. But to me, uh, what I hear when people are talking about personalised treatment, they're mainly talking about medications for particular uh, asthma endotypes or phenotypes. Whereas I think that we should use that term personalised treatment to mean that we are treating patients as human beings, as fellow human beings and taking into account their feelings and their beliefs and their own goals rather than just perceiving them as a, as an organ that is mis that is malfunctioning. So overall it's a very salutary lesson to listen to the voice of people with severe asthma and keep that in mind when we are planning how to approach this devastating disease. Thank you very much, Helen, for your excellent comments, which really underscore the importance of this article by Foster and colleagues. This was Mark Amber, Chief Editor of the European Respiratory Journal, discussing today the hidden burden of severe asthma with Professor Helen Reddell, from the University of Sydney in Australia. Thank you.